2: Hello and welcome to Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a regular dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Hi. Hi.
3: Welcome back, listeners, to another joy-filled episode of Queer Talk, where we share positive LGBTQ plus news stories and celebrate our community.
2: Talking about celebrating our community, today we're joined by our dear friend Daniel. Daniel Harding is a journalist, presenter, and news producer. He regularly writes about LGBTQIA issues, and his writing has appeared in Attitude, Cosmopolitan, The
3: London Economic, and The Mirror. Daniel has just launched his first book, Gay Man Talking. And we are very excited to be celebrating his new book. I think by the time you listen to this, the book won't yet have been launched, but we will have attended Daniel's book launch. So watch this space. And at the end of this episode, head to all the links to purchase your own copy. Welcome to the show, Daniel.
4: Hi, thanks for having
3: me. Long time. The good thing about having you here is you can tell us when the book is out. So when is the book out?
4: (laughs) The book's out on the 21st of September. So um yep, it's very exciting this month.
2: And are you are you quite busy at the moment like going and promoting and uh talking about the book, I guess to everyone? Are you tired of it yet?
4: <laughs> How many times have I read this book? Um I am, I'm ver- very busy. Um at the moment I'm going all around um obviously bookshops, um, but also doing um features, interviews, articles and stuff, which is very foreign to me because I'm usually the one doing the um question asking. I mean your position, guys. Yeah, this is all very foreign and new and I'm trying to not ask questions and just answer them and just be uh, yeah, responsive, which isn't great.
3: <laughs> Based on knowing you offline, I love that you've been put in this position because the first time we met in person, I think every time we meet in person, actually, it's like an interview. Um, this is something that I think you're well known for. And yep. you just ask questions. It's not even that you drill, but you're so curious as a person, which is why you're perfect as a journalist and the perfect person to write this book. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're being put in the hot seat
4: now. Yeah, my friends never introduce me to uh, their their new loves um, straight <laughs> away because they know that they're going to get grilled. So,
2: I mean, that's a, that's a great trait to have. Like, if you're yeah. going to date someone, get Daniel in and find <laughs> out all their, all the skeletons in their closets.
4: I think there's a new book in this, actually. Oh god, yeah.
3: <laughs> we want crediting for the idea. We'll be on the blurb. <laughs> Absolutely. Gay man talking is a fantastic book. I think. I wasn't sure what to expect when uh, you announced to me that you were writing it, when you um, spoke to it, both myself and seen Mous- about being in the book. But each chapter explores a very dis- different relationship that you've had, uh, whether that be with parents, with body issues, with bullies, and even with yourself. So my question is to start with, What drew you to these topics? And uh, a sub question, is there anything that was left out that you feel should have been included?
4: To be honest, I think what started um, was (laughs) I was interviewing someone and um, just chatting about things. And I kept on saying all the um, sort of stuff that, you know, you sweep under the carpet or you have that conversation with someone about Um, Coming out um, and then you move forward quite quickly and don't really address it again. And it sort of sparks this feeling inside about, oh, gosh, did I ever actually talk to my dad again about coming out or did I ever actually talk to my friend about how they felt about um, the fact that I'm gay? And all of these things started happening, and I just so happened to um, be speaking to a publisher and discussing, and we decided that, yeah, this is definitely a topic that I don't think we have enough of those conversations once we've come out, and there's certainly conversations that you kind of wish you had, but you avoid because they're cringe or awkward or whatever. So I decided to have them, and I think basically what I did was head to the conversations that I really didn't want to have. and um essentially try and try and have them and that those were things like um obviously talking to my parents i didn't want to talk to my parents at all about it um i'm in a really good place with my parents i didn't want to readdress or open new wounds but unfortunately that's exactly what sort of the book is encouraging people to do to sort of unpick those um, relationships that might be okay or that you haven't sort of addressed for a while and really like refocus and, and go back to them and have those conversations as awkward and scary as they might be but yeah I was drawn to conversations that I didn't want to have basically and there's lots of things that I left out, <laughs> lots of conversations I could have had, and I didn't.
3: Are you are you willing to reveal any of those things to us, even just topic, topic headline?
4: Well, for example, there was this um, debate on whether to have, um, in the book, there's um, a chapter on love, um, which is a huge, obviously, thing in everyone's lives. There was this huge debate on do I have it or not because it meant having a conversation with an ex. And I went through my Rolodex, and I was thinking, oh. You know, <laughs> who do I actually want to have this conversation with and I really wanted to actually have it with someone who I didn't want to have it with because that's the whole purpose of it and yeah so that didn't happen I didn't have that conversation because that person I'm not sure if I should say but basically um declined
2: so you were kind of willing to have a conversation with an ex
4: I think it went something like sorry you hurt me and now you want to speak about it absolutely not (laughs) (laughs)
2: again like maybe for the sequel (laughs) yeah i
3: I think i think it's fair i think it kind of highlights the need for whilst these conversations are important i think both sides or or all parties involved need to consent to having that conversation right because Mm -hmm. it's it can be really intense and different Mm -hmm. people have different reasons for not wanting to discuss things like this example You've had enough good conversations, so the book the book is full and complete. But I'm excited to see what happens in a potential book too.
4: I think that was the hardest part actually, because when you you have the conversations and you have all of those chats, and then that's that's one thing that's done and that's logged. Obviously, then you've got to write them up and put them into um, a chapter for people to read. Mm. But then you've also then got to reapproach those people who you've had the conversation a couple of months later get them to sign a form to saying yes we'll be in the book without seeing the chapter yeah (laughs) Um, which is a really hard part so thanks thanks for your your consent forms
2: when it comes to the chapters in your book there is one chapter dedicated to sex so you skipped love but you went straight for sex the opening talks about the first time which can be uncomfortable for so many how did you go about researching this chapter about sex did you have to have a lot of sex
4: (laughs) Did I have to have a lot of sex? Yes, I forced myself. The thing is, I don't know about you um, too, but for me growing up, sex was a, a very much a swear word, especially in my house. That We didn't really speak about it. It was something that was an uncomfortable subject that no one really wanted to discuss. So I kind of have grown up with that sort of prudish mentality, which I'm really trying to ditch as I go forward in life. I think like for me, approaching that subject again was important because i feel for good or for bad sex is a huge part of our community i mean we're we're tarnished with it we're adored by it we're we're loved for it or hated for it and um and slated i mean look at monkeypox right now um but i think sex is a really important subject to have because obviously sexuality and what we're discussing sex is in there so I had to obviously do it but it was uncomfortable because I knew that I wasn't sure if I wanted that conversation and also I remember speaking to um, the publisher and thinking who can I have this conversation with because do you have um, a conversation with the first person you had sex with do you have a Mm -hmm. conversation with a sex therapist or um, someone who's sex positive or because I guess for myself I love sex I think that everyone should um obviously embrace what they love but I guess on the spectrum sounds really boring maybe to some but maybe I'm a bit more vanilla rather than the rocky road um
2: just trying to to keep a straight face while you say you're vanilla
4: (laughs) (laughs) are you not vanilla Spencer I
3: I'll give my two pence when you're finished carry on talk to me about ice cream flavors I'm always up for that
4: Okay, so, and then I, I just decided, like, I have to go all in. Um, so, and I think that's the only way I could have done this um, chapter. It was an open mind. And, you know, I, I have friends who um, would uh, attend sex parties or... Um, have um three ways or open relationships or um, a very sex positive which i think is fantastic and then i have friends who are more reserved want to have intimacy want to date before they have sex um want to have sex in different ways and i actually think that when i was researching all these different ways and um very much the colorful ways we can have sex it just dawned on me that actually um you have to just be open and embrace everything and if it's not for you that's fine but I think it's um, our duty to research and um, listen like I don't think we listen enough to other people We're, we're very judgmental and this chapter was really important um, to actually listen for a change. And sometimes I'm guilty of that and I don't. So when I um, sat down with um, Jason, who's an absolutely lovely, he's a, he's had um, a very colourful um, past as a UK porn star and he's a very confident sex worker and he's so sex positive and he spoke about so many incredible things, a porn um, film for prep and advertising prep, which was just fantastic. And... He's an advocate for, obviously, sex positive and sex workers' rights. And listening to a man talk about and discuss sex so openly, so transactionally, but also the love side of it as well, was just a breath of fresh air. And it's just making me, like, for a long time I said sex, um, as I say, like a swear word. And hearing people say about sex, you kind of get that, like, oh, I can't talk about sex. And it was really refreshing. I had the, the chat and it was it was fascinating actually and it's in- interesting to hear his um, point of view and I hope people enjoy that chapter and enjoy the chat because it does open your mind to acceptance and I think that's something that we really do need like sex is about accepting ourselves um, our passion what we love and you can't fully accept um, whichever part of our community you are unless you also accept the sex as well we shouldn't be ashamed
2: it would almost be weird to write a book about gay men having conversations without sex uh, i don't mean that in a crude way i just mean like like you said just earlier like it's such a big part of our community you know we are a community based on uh, being a sexual minority but yeah jason is jason is amazing He really fights for sex workers rights and a lot of that is about normalizing uh, i believe like the fact that you know porn industry sex industry has always existed it's always been a part of kind of normal life for straight and gay and bi and people um, and they deserve just as many rights when they go to work as we have
4: there's certain subjects that you think oh yeah i can't talk about that with my friends or like um different things and there'll be friends that you do talk about things to and friends that you don't and it was just refreshing as well to be able to be like okay yeah we masturbate That's okay. Like you're allowed to like say that Mm. out loud, and like that's that's fine. Like you're allowed to enjoy that. You're allowed to have sex. You're allowed to do sex in whichever way you want. And it's crazy that you sort of are grown up treading on eggshells, like thinking you can't.
2: Around your parents, like my parents would literally switch the TV channel if someone was kissing on EastEnders, and like that's the level of you know censorship I don't really want to give to anyone but you know they kind of this is why we have queer friends and like you know we have a different language and that a lot of that language is based on honesty like you know you talk to your friend about you talk to a friend about douching and stuff like do straight men have that conversation i don't think
3: so A 100 percent. so to touch on that this is the longest i've ever been silent on an episode of queer talk which is wild yes daniel you should come back more often <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't know i don't know if i've ever said this out loud but it's definitely the case but Sex for me was something similar to you, Daniel, that it was like something I would avoid talking about at all costs because I was like, you you know, you do that little giggle when someone says sex and you like blush a little bit, you're like, oh my God, sex. Like that's what, you know, what are people doing? What are people getting up to? What should I be doing? And actually, must-see. you were <laughs> one of the first friends where I... felt open enough to talk about testing and to like talk about sex because you're quite sex positive and very open uh, online it was really weird for me because i've only ever had two sexual partners right which is i think pretty rare in our community and i didn't know about testing i didn't know about stis i didn't know about any of these things and i didn't know who to talk to about it like I genuinely had no idea. Like I don't know where you go to learn without scrolling the internet, and I didn't didn't want to scroll the internet because it's like very overwhelming and daunting. Me and Mufin didn't explicitly sit down to have a conversation around sex. But <laughs> I did the birds and the bees with uh, Spencer. So
2: Spencer, this is how it happens.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is how to make a baby. It was it was just it was just really interesting to have that conversation because another thing I want to touch on is I think we have this assumption in our community that people are having a lot of sex or like some people are having sex every single day and it's wild and they're having sex for hours and they're doing all these crazy things where they're like tying each other up and doing this and doing that and all these kinks and like whilst all of those things happen and take place that just isn't the reality and i think there's this expectation for us to be sexual but also to always be up for it and always to be ready and always to be horny and Those that again, those things just aren't the case. And I think I, for one, definitely put a lot of like shame on myself for not being a super sexualized being because I was like, oh God, like what's wrong with me? Like, for the I remember for the longest time, I thought I was asexual before I'd had sex for the first time because I was like, God, like I want to avoid this at all costs. Maybe it's not for me. And now, sex is something that I'm very. Uh, content with something I really enjoy and something that I'm exploring again because of what you said Daniel in terms of listening like I think listening to a partner and communicating with a partner about what they like what you like what you dislike elevates sex so much Mm. um, because it's about being on the same wavelength as the people you're involved with basically nothing more than that to be honest but yeah I wanted to I wanted to bring that up because this this is a conversation I was scared of for so long and now I'm like it's just sex. Mm. Like there's so, many, there's so many other things going on, but it's just sex.
4: I think that's the thing as well. Like you r- raise a really good point because I, I think of Grindr and I think of the conversations I've had on Grinder before um, where obviously um, people are in there for a variety of reasons, but if it is sex and you have those conversations and someone says, oh, when was the last time you had sex or action or like got some or whatever they want to use as the language? And so many people will be like, "Oh, yeah, it was yesterday," or it was like, and I don't know about other people, but I'm working. I was thinking, like, yeah. how did you fit it in? <laughs> and sometimes my answer is, yeah, like two months, or um, sometimes it might be weeks, or uh, it might have been yesterday. And I think that's really interesting because sometimes you do think, like, well, where do you, where are you on that spectrum on the on the sex spectrum? Oh, sex spectrum, sex spectrum, but like and where are you confident and happy to be as well because like i do think obviously there are lots of people having sex probably right now probably in this building that i'm in there are also people who aren't having as much sex and perhaps aren't having as much as they're making out that they're having as well but i don't know it's interesting however you have sex is a positive thing
3: So, we were both very fortunate to feature in the book, I Love It When Anyone Asks Me to Talk About Myself, it's the sole reason we have this podcast. It kind of is. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't supposed to be. Anyway, we were both very fortunate to feature in the book. You wrote a chapter on bullying, and I don't know if you just came to me and asked if I knew anyone at the time whether we had a discussion and that led to wanting to include a bit of a bit of my story. But in short, for listeners, I was I was somebody who was bullied in school. And at the time I didn't class it as bullying because it didn't it didn't look like bullying to me. And then someone who basically became a bully as a result of that, someone who felt very empowered to bring everyone around me down so that I was safe and so that. I was on a I was in a place where no one could hurt me which as a result just meant that I was hurting other people Um, and this is the first time that I've had that conversation because whilst I knew that that was who I was and that was part of my past it was something that I definitely felt ashamed of because hurting anyone for me today is not who I am so it was actually a really really uncomfortable conversation but one that flowed really naturally I really enjoyed our conversation the question here I was getting to that to the question is like what was it that stood out from that conversation we had because obviously it's a small part of a wider chapter and you talked about your own experiences in that chapter but from that conversation in particular like what was it that stood out maybe something that you you weren't expecting to come up or something that kind of opened your eyes
4: yeah I think um, first of all I think that I think we had a discussion and I think like a lot of things I come to you, Spencer and say, Oh, do you know anyone for this? Or, um, (laughs) do you know, do you know someone that went through this? And, um, I think you actually opened up and said, um, obviously, and your experience. And I said, oh gosh, that's so interesting um, because it's very rare. I think I discussed this in the chapter, but I think a bully um, to so many people can be one thing um, and look like another, but actually a bully comes in all different guises. It's a very much a personal thing, I think. And it's not just that sort of kids, that um, chubby kid in school who um, goes around pulling people's pants up or whatever, but it's also so many different things. And I think after you said, well, I, I was actually a bully. That is shocking in itself to have that sort of statement, knowing you um, and knowing what you do with your platform now. It's such a a difference and such a turnaround. So I was really interested and probably persisted a little bit too much to um, have have you feature. So thank you for your consent. And yeah, and then having that discussion I sort of approached it like I did every um, conversation I had, just ready to be open and hear whatever you've got to sort of share and say. When you started opening up, at first I think you was a bit closed. I mean, I've got the video if you want to watch it back ever. Absolutely not. But at first I think you was a bit closed. Like many conversations I had, they all started off quite tense and then you relaxed into it and you opened up and you you spoke your truth. And I think for me what shocked me the most is the fact that You became a bully because you were bullied or you felt like you had to survive. And I think that's what a lot of bullies do do. I think they they bully because they feel that that's their option to survive, to not get bullied themselves, to fit in. There's lots of different reasons. And I think for me, you opening up about becoming the bully was more powerful than if I was to sit down with my high school bully and hear from them. This is still something that clearly affects you and shapes the rest of your life, which I think is actually the most incredible thing to have in the chapter because not only have you been there, you've been bullied, you've bullied, you've come out the other side and you're teaching people. So we can all learn a lot from this chapter actually. And I think for, for me, what I learn is that every bully, no matter what you've gone through, deserves sort of that second chance. And I know obviously there are definite levels of bullying, but I think that not every bully is doing it because they want to hurt someone or they've got like a a mission to destroy someone they're doing it for survival and I think that that's often especially if you're in a minority group why you might be doing it
3: yeah I mean as a result of that kind of that conversation and even that kind of chapter in my life I've find it really powerful to go back to difficult conversations a day later a week later a year later whatever and readdress and like reflect on what was said and like what you actually mean because so many things are said in the moment for for impact or for humor or just for like dramatic effect and like I can be you know if I'm tipsy or if I'm like with a group of friends like I can be really giddy and really loud and just say things and then I sit and I go oh my god like why would I ever say that like out loud or like that's so insensitive to the people I was around or or any of these things so I think I think it's really important to try and go back like your your whole book is based on the fact you're, you're kind of going back to conversations that you've once had and, and then rehaving conversations and there's there's so much power in that because often we, we have a difficult conversation and we just kind of sign off and we're like cool that's the conversation done let's move on and things don't end after one conversation right it's ongoing and people have thoughts and feelings after that and you always always leave a conversation going oh like I wish I said that you know like after an argument you're like oh god I would have you know, shut them right down if I'd said this. And it's like, I wish we would spend more time reflecting on conversations and, and being comfortable with each other to do that as well.
4: I think there's a part, um, especially um, in your chapter, where you say you had this moment of um, realisation where you were about to go and get beaten up, I think you thought, and you had a choice. You either became tough and showed confidence or you went and got your head flushed down the toilet essentially and you had that sort of like that that turning point that um sliding doors moment that you could have chosen one route or gone another and instead of continuing to be bullied you decided to come become the bully to obviously survive and i think that's a lot of the time what this community is doing is trying to survive
3: as a result of that happening in school like that has framed who i am and now this this level of confidence and like authority that i have to have like as much as i try and be a nice person like that also has impact right like even to to minor muffsine's relationship there are certain situations where i'm like no i'm doing this this way because i i think i'm right and it and it's really difficult to to step down from that and to take a step back and go right, like what's actually happening. But again, from having those conversations, like I would, I wouldn't say that I bully I I off scene. Just,
2: just on record, I want to say I don't think you bully me. I was just joking. <laughs> and, uh,
3: there's absolutely no bullying. It's a mutual, a mutual uh, back and forth. But it's it's true like those those things shape who you are and you have to you have to take some realization to go like right I'm not a bully anymore but there were certain aspects of that in terms of like gaining confidence and gaining like self-awareness and and just being sure of who I was like that's important and you can keep those elements you just don't have to bring other people down to be yourself.
2: You also featured my scene I did feature um and thank you, Daniel, for having me on your in your book. I kind of spoke a little bit about my parents and kind of a little bit about my upbringing and the kind of the status of my relationship with my parents and I think what became quite evident was that you know it's not been an easy ride sometimes when you think about it and you talk to friends about it and you realize, oh wait, did I really go through that and you know my relationship with my parents is a bit strained it's it's a bit formal. It's it's not as you know, loving and intimate as other you know, parents are with their children, and that's not you know, that's not untypical for an Asian household to kind of be like that. Especially when you're queer and you're from a Muslim background, and you know a lot of things at play there. So there is a bit in the in the book about my my story, and it's very interesting to have read the book and to see your side as well, like your relationship with your parents. You go into a lot of detail about how coming out and then being the gay son was for you with your mum you and your dad but yeah i think everyone's gonna have a very different experience growing up and that's parenting is so difficult honestly
4: so difficult
2: i think you capture that really well in your in that chapter um what did you take away from our conversation daniel
4: Do you know what? The parenting chapter, I thought um, I needed to get out of the way quite quickly. And having, um, obviously, interviews with my own parents was quite frankly awful. Um, (laughs) But I really encourage people to have that chat if, if you can and if you're in that place with your parents, because there are so many things that you don't know that they went through or that they thought at the time. And it's so important to get both sides of the story because it actually... You can understand perhaps some of their actions during that um, period as well. Mm. And then for me, it was so important that I didn't just have my point of view in this chapter, because like you say, so many people are going to have different experiences, especially um, different backgrounds and different upbringings. And obviously sitting down with you, I remember it well.
2: (laughs) Um, Me too.
4: I kind of I knew it was going to be an awkward conversation in the sense of I knew that there were going to be things that I wouldn't be able to relate to. I also knew that it would be quite moving, and I mean, still reading back um, the 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 chat we had, it moves me. And obviously, during our chat, my eyes did well up and. I felt, I felt for you um, and what you went through and I think that the, the one thing I, I took away is regardless of um, where you are now um, and I know that you continue to sort of pursue your relationships there but regardless of where that leads you or where you go I think that your strength came through so much and you'd you'd made um, peace with the situation even if it does change in the future and and I think that's something that really like inspired me as well to realize that there are going to be conversations that you have there's conversations in this book that didn't go to plan um, and they're not always going to go how you want them to we come out to people and you're not always going to get the reactions you want or hope for and I think parents is something that we always hope are gonna be that foundation that helps us and that shapes us and stuff. And I think you're incredible to be honest because the fact that you can make a decision to choose yourself in that situation for the better and to take that break that you need or that pause from your own uh, sort of family for your own health and your own happiness I think is incredible, and I think so many times we follow a path because our parents have paved it for us, or people have told us this is the way we have to go, and that's not always correct for each person. And I think it's really lovely that despite what you've been through, you're so strong, and you're obviously. um, I mean, seeing the difference between my upbringing and yours, and my reaction, I feel very thankful, and I think that people hopefully would read this and either it inspires them to have that conversation or they feel thankful or they reach out to friends who perhaps haven't and be there because I mean the parent chapter also discusses the fact that parents come in all shapes and forms. Like the the definition is people can act as a parent and I think they do. I mean your relationship, you two like there's definitely like a, a parent figure there of like helping each other and stuff. And I think like, and must say, we, we discussed that, like the parents, oh we've all got a bit of a daddy, right? Yeah, a little bit of
2: a daddy. I am a bit of a daddy sometimes. Yes, I think what, what I said earlier is about like parenting is hard, but as you get older, you don't need to look to your parents for that kind of support, especially if they're, you know, they're not giving it. I think once you get older, you realize your parents aren't perfect as well they're they're just people who had children i think what i realized and what i shared with you daniel was that it just got to a point where i was like i need to stop looking to these two people to approve my life or approve you know something and i need to just choose myself and i actually do have a lot of friends in the queer community and i think a lot of like like i said even earlier in this episode i'm coming up with some good points um but (laughs) yeah There's this unspoken language between queer people, uh, and that's the, you know that's how we you make chosen family, you make a community. We speak in a familiarity, mm-hmm. and there is support beyond just your parents. So it's great if you have that as a support and as a, a cornerstone for kind of you know, your life. But if you don't, you, there's only so much you can pursue that until yeah, at some point you have to choose yourself, which is where I kind of got to a few years ago.
4: You also say something really powerful in um, your chapter where you you say, like, hearing coming-out stories and hearing people's coming-out stories, be them different, um, and obviously yours and mine are are very different, but there are also similarities in everyone's, and um, that's the emotions. We've all been through different emotions or the fear before we come out, um, especially to parents, perhaps, of how they're going to take it. And I think you say hearing other people's is so important and we should keep on hearing them and we've got to keep on coming out and we've got to keep on supporting people. And this is why it frustrates me so much. And obviously the community of, Oh, why do we need pride? Or why do we, why do people need to come out? Um, Because we do need to hear it in the community more than anything else that we're supporting each other. And I think that's the other thing that we are a family. We're not just a community. We're each other's parents sometimes when they're vacant.
3: This whole theme of chosen family is something I think in more recent years having had conversations between myself and seen is is so vital like you get different things from different people and being surrounded by as many different people as possible like that will raise you with the most understanding of the world and different perspectives and like you will become the most level-headed person if you've spoken to people who are nothing like yourself spoken to people from different communities different chapters of their life different ages different backgrounds having been through different things it it changes everything and I think we need to move away from this idea that our parents are like the be-all and end-all of like guidance and they know best and all of this stuff that's what gets drilled into you as a child and I wish parents would be more honest and go like I don't really know what to do in this situation but i'm going to do my best like that's all you really need to hear instead of you know having that authority that says like they're right you're wrong because that's that's often not the case i think a lot of queer people have very difficult relationships with parents and and i for one almost resent people or have resented people that have good relationships with their parents because i'm like i just can't imagine what that would be like you know everyone has ups and downs and we shouldn't compare our stories but we should definitely share our stories like you said so I like
2: hearing other people's stories and coming out and all the other conversations that we don't have but also even reading your book Daniel when you talk about your parents and your relationship with your mum it's just interesting to see like how other people have lived their lives being the gay son Um, Because like for me, I'm I'm not not asking for sympathy, but I wasn't really the gay son in a way that I had a relationship with my parents. I was just the gay son. Let's not talk about it. Um, So can I just ask you a question, Daniel? What is GSD?
4: (laughs) So I think when I grew up, in my head, I thought, right, I have to be a role because I've come out now. I need to like my parents um, saw one thing in my head. And so the GSD was (laughs) the gay son duties. So all those things that like, I definitely saw, because I have have, um, straight friends or heterosexual friends and they definitely weren't doing some of these things that I was doing. And what I realized is um, I was doing all these duties, what I thought that I was doing because they expected me or they thought, out of fear because I thought oh gosh I've got to do this now because I'm I'm that I'm that label I'm that person I'm the gay son I'll be the laugh I'll be the like sort of the joke or the butt of the joke or whatever and really actually what I realized is those duties that I was doing was actually I was putting it on myself like and some of them I did want to do and um, I realized actually some of them uh, made me closer to my parents and stuff but having those conversations with my parents I realized actually that they were learning and they were learning how to parent a new person and they were trying to show interest in some things that they had Googled or (laughs) um, they thought that I might, I might have liked and stuff. And it's really fascinating because I was thinking one thing, I've got to be a certain way. And they were thinking one thing because they thought a certain way of what a gay person was. And in reality, what neither of us saw was a gay person is exactly the same Mm -hmm. as a straight person. Um, you're gonna like different things and stuff. It's just about a a personal thing. And I think we were both being something um, that we weren't, which is where the chapter sort of tries and goes and says that actually, I think the child ends up becoming the parent to your parents as well. And you end up becoming the teacher because my parents are learning from me and I'm sort of leading the way. And it's not about the GSD, (laughs) but just about being you. There is no GSD.
3: As we've mentioned, the book is all about having conversations and the copies we were sent included a small envelope with conversation prompts inside which is actually a a really really nice element of the book
2: yeah they're really cute like little little cards little cards and it's all branded with gay man talking Daniel Harding
4: conversation starters
3: But I, I think you know part of the reason we started this podcast and a similar reason I think you wrote the book was to get people talking about those conversations that can be uncomfortable but they don't even need to be uncomfortable like we should just talk about everything i love oversharing and i love people that overshare because people are like oh god i shouldn't have said that and i'm like absolutely you should like it gives so much context and it makes conversation so much more uh, plentiful the book is an overshare <laughs> <laughs> literally we've reached this point where you're just like right if you need to know anything about daniel read the book um yeah, but exactly. um, i want i want to know like why why is this so important to you why is having uncomfortable conversations so important to you
4: I think it actually goes down to just like actually like the last chapter is a conversation with myself. I think, to be honest, I think that's the most important chapter of all for everyone. Um, To actually sit down with yourself and ask yourself, do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? Um, all All those awkward things that you actually don't really want to discuss with yourself. And I think like the whole reason for doing the book is... You have all these um, conversations about coming out and then you put them under the carpet um, and you move forward and you live your life not sort of going back to them. But actually those conversations and rehabbing those conversations, understanding other people's feelings, bringing up old feelings like if you were bullied or if you did want to say something to an ex or um, you want to confront this feeling about straight men that you're you're scared of or whatever if you don't have all those conversations you don't unpick them you don't like sort of readdress them or actually discuss them and communicate then you're still not 100% comfortable in moving forward with who you are you can't have that honest conversation with yourself unless you're having all these other conversations and I think for me it was just so important because we come out constantly. Like I come out every day, and um, regardless of if people think I'm gay or um, don't think I'm gay, I still have to come out, and I still have to like have those conversations. And it was important for me to rehave those conversations with everyone because I realized at 33, I am still not comfortable with myself. I wasn't comfortable with being gay. I wasn't comfortable with having sex. I wasn't comfortable with my parents knowing that. I was with a man or Mm. I wasn't comfortable with so many different things and it wasn't until I actually discussed them sat down with these people that I realized like one of my best friends who I had a a conversation with I didn't realize the internalized feelings that they had how they had to like um adapt to um my new truth or um how they wanted to be there for me but couldn't I pushed them away and One of the chapters was all about role models. And for me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I really didn't believe in role models growing up. I thought it was myth. And I thought people who said, like, my mum was probably the the best example, um, who she could reel off so many different role models that she had. Um, She'd be like, oh my God, Madonna was my role model because um, she wore that pointed bra and made me feel like, yes, I could be sexually expressive or whatever. Um, And then she'd say, oh, um, Fern Britain, oh gosh, she's doing it for the ladies asking the questions that you want. Do you know what, she had so many examples and I just thought, where are my role models? I just didn't see any. And even the role models, I'm ashamed to say, that were available on TV and stuff, they weren't people that I wanted to be because I was scared of being that person. I was scared of being the outwardly confident gay guy. I was scared of being ridiculed. And I remember seeing um, Graham Norton on TV and thinking, my God, the canned laughter, people are laughing at him. And it was, it really honestly freaked me out. And I just thought, I don't want to be this. I don't believe in role models, but And actually sitting down and having um, discussions with Daniel Newman, who uses his platform in a really incredible ways. He makes a lot of mistakes, but he also owns them. And he's really trying to like come out as an actor and be there for people. And I spoke to different other people as well in that chapter. I realized that actually role models only exist because people are pushing themselves. I mean, I feature you guys in that chapter as well, Queer Talk, because role models are everywhere and they are the people that are using the platform for the good. And I think, on the whole, I wanted to do this book because I think there's so many internalised feelings that we don't address, and we just sweep under the carpet, and we shouldn't. We need to find that end chapter of having that conversation with ourselves, and at the end of it, we need to ask ourselves that question, am I proud of who I am? And if you can't answer that, you need to go back and have those conversations because until you do like you need to be comfortable in yourself
3: amen
2: yes we're gonna leave it there because that was such a great way to end the interview in order to close off our interview with you daniel before we send you off into the world we'd like to use one of your prompts against you (laughs) against you but um From one of these conversation stars that you've sent to us with the book. I'm going to ask you one of your prompts back to you. If you could use one word to describe the LGBTQ plus community, what would it be? Glue. Glue? Glue. Are you talking super glue? stick?
4: Glue. Do you know what? In a job interview once, someone um, asked um, me to describe myself in one word, and that's why I use glue. But actually thinking about it, i do think that the lgbtq plus community is glue we hold each other together Um, we're there for each other we've got each other's backs you both reference it in um, both the conversations i have with you about the strength of us the powerfulness of us and i feel it every day i feel it on pride every year i feel it on twitter when i see everyone backing each other i feel it in um, magazine covers that now see body positivity and just the community, I think, is glue. We, we hold each other together mm. and we're there for each other when things are absent. So I think that is the word that I would describe us, glue, which is fantastic.
2: A huge thank you to Daniel for joining us today. Um, how did you find that, Daniel?
4: It was good. I found it very cathartic and nice to actually chat about it and um hear, hear your opinions as well it was really nice actually thank you thanks for having me and it's
3: about um, time isn't it you've been uh, you've been waiting to jump on queer talk i told you we have to wait for the right moment in the right time this feels like the right moment
4: it does i'm excited for um your queer talk lives coming back that's exciting
3: yes on saturday we're part of london podcast festival so excited for yeah. that i'm excited too so make sure you check out daniel's new book gay man talking we will leave the links to pre-order order by review uh in the episode description and do not forget to let us know that you have listened to the show on socials we are on instagram at queer underscore talk and on twitter we are queer talk underscore until next time bye, bye.